Well, hello to you, my dear friends. And of course, you know where we are. You know what this is. This is the Sound Perspective podcast. My name's Alfie Faber. I'm a filmmaker in Sydney. And on this podcast, I chat to the super talented people who combine sight and sound in film. Isn't that fun? Uh, Today, we're chatting to an Australian director whose work I only quite recently discovered, but I have absolutely fallen in love with. Um... I talk, of course, about Sophie Hyde, a director from Adelaide in South Australia who established the very prolific uh, production company Closer Productions. Uh, Back in 2013, she made 52 Tuesdays, which was shot one day a week for 52 weeks over a year. It's a really gorgeous coming-of-age story about a teenage girl in Adelaide who goes on a journey of self-discovery when the parent they knew as their mother comes out as a transgender man. It's really heartfelt, authentic. It's one of my favourite Australian films. Um, It picked up awards at both Berlin and Sundance, and Sophie went on to direct the uh, Irish set film Animals, uh, along with a bunch of really cool TV and doco projects in Adelaide. And in this episode, I got to talk to her about her most recent feature, Good Luck to You, Leo Grande, uh, which stars Emma Thompson as a retired school teacher in her 60s who hires a male sex worker in search of the orgasm she's never managed to achieve. Like 52 Tuesdays, it's a really beautiful kind of film about self-discovery, finding yourself, and it's incredibly cinematic for a film that's set almost 85% in one location. Um, I chatted to Sophie at the uh, gorgeous, elegant Langham Hotel in Sydney uh, for the press junket thing, which uh, have it's my first time doing a press junket, and it seems like a very stressful thing because they do like a billion interviews in one day uh but sophie was lovely um and she was a delight if you want to hear more from me about movies including my reviews of sophie's my letterboxd is at alfie faber i write uh, most of my reviews as haikus uh that's also my instagram we're on facebook at sound perspective podcast but enough from silly old me here is sophie Sophie Hyde, thank you so much for making the time. My pleasure. To join. Um, Before I ask specifics about uh, the films, like to an audience member who might not know you, uh, do you want to talk a bit about like how you got into film and like what led you to that career path? Mm, Well, that's a big question. Um, I mean, I I grew up doing youth theatre and dance, like, and so I was always like, I was always making things with a group of people. That was always the thing I wanted to do, um, and film kind of just came out of that. I mean, I studied film at uni. I was really excited by film theory, mm. and um, and I always just, I honestly, I just always liked the idea of working with a group of people to make something, mm. um, more than kind of being a cinephile or mm. anything like that. Um, I'm probably enjoy watching movies now more than I did then. But, yeah, so it kind of came in from the making. And then I, um, you know, I made documentaries for a long time and and other things like um, short films and dance films and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I kind of, you know, I have a company in Adelaide, a production company called Closer Productions, and we're like a group of people who've 
worked across each other's films for many years. And um, and now we kind of all like on some of each other's projects, but not on others. And like a lot of them are making a show, Aftertaste, that's an ABC show, but I've been making this and travelling with it. And, you know, we cross over a bit. But um, And that's been a really fundamental part of like me is kind of having a group of people that I'm always working with. Yeah, yeah, yeah regular collaborators. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. Um, and before we get into good luck to you, I just I really wanted to talk to you about um, Fifty Two Tuesdays because I watched it uh, quite recently, a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's one of my favorite Australian films now. It's so gorgeous, and in a lot of ways that I could talk about forever, but. One of the things that I love most about that film is I can't remember the name of the young protagonist, but it shows her journey of learning about herself and learning about the world through the lens of her camera. And Mm. I feel like um, that theme of learning about yourself is uh, throughout all the films of yours that I've seen. And I wanted to ask, like, do you feel like you learn about the world through a camera? Mm. I certainly learn about the world through making. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, the camera is really fundamental in 52 Tuesdays and kind of as a as a viewer, I suppose, as a as somebody watching things go on and trying to work yourself out, do you know? That was kind of how I thought of it as as observational and digging into something. Certainly like the character in 52 Tuesdays and yes, like Leo in Leo Grand, like I'm constantly kind of in question with myself and what I think about the world do you know and that kind of is plays out like I write when I write that's all just an investigation of something about myself and when I'm making that's just another investigation do you know Mm. um and that keeps going right through the films like right through the edit process and everything um so yeah like you were so lucky if we get to do this sort of job do you know because you're like this is like I spend all my time just thinking about who I am but who we are as humans and trying to work out how to tell stories about it. But really, like, what a nice thing to get to do with your time, you yeah. know, and, and be with your friends and people that you love doing that, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I'm really revealed in all of my movies mm. but because they're not autobiographical or, like, I'm not the person on screen I get to kind of hide as well. <laughs> it's yeah. like no one notices. Yeah. It's yeah. like for me, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you've learned things about yourself through the filmmaking? Yeah. Loads of things. I mean, with 52 Tuesdays, there was really distinct moments where like Billy, the character, is sitting with a camera looking at the two other kids and asking them questions. And I'm sitting behind Tilda, the actress, asking her to ask things. Yeah. And I was like, like like, like this is really weird and yeah. and um and you don't always know that when you go into something you don't always know which bits of it you are connected to yeah. you know um but yeah it's certainly about intimacy and cuz i i am really drawn to kind of professional intimacy or ideas of professional intimacy mm. and that's like i'm conscious that we do it all the time that's how you make films is you build an intimacy mm. To, to create something. And mm. so um, that's something that kind of comes up in my life a fair bit. Mm. But, no, I've learned loads of things. I made a documentary years ago called Life in Movement, which was about a friend of ours, a dancer choreographer, Tanya Lidke, who mm. had died before she'd taken this big job at Sydney Dance Company. Yeah. 
And I learned so much in that about the kind of creative process and having a lot of doubt about your work but kind of keeping making through the doubt. Mm. So, yeah, every film kind of gives you these things. Yeah. Lucky me, yeah. no therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so with, I find it interesting you said that um, you were prompting Tilda with uh, questions. Was a lot of the dialogue unscripted in, or was much of that process unscripted in that film? Yeah, lots of the film was scripted and Matt who wrote it is is a beautiful writer and so we kind of lent on that. But we also, because we we only... We only rehearsed in each scene each week and we only the actors only had their scripts for that week mm. kind of thing. But we would... Oh, we would, so exciting. Yeah, and we were writing as we went. So they would feed into the script as in we would do a rehearsal and Matt and I would talk about it and if there was things that we wanted to shift, you know, mm. from that. So they kind of had quite a big input and things that were happening for them were feeding in. And then... Those bits, there were really particular moments, and this happens a lot in my films where there's like everything's highly scripted and then there'll be certain bits where it's freer and the stuff with the teenagers, um, some of those sort of tasks that they go through. If you haven't seen the film, it's like um, one of them's asking the other's questions on camera or, you know, or directing them through things on camera. Um, those were more like created with the three actors and they were experimenting with ideas and Tilly, Tilda, who's the actor in it, she's also like she questions a lot. So it kind of came from her. Mm. Um, but it's kind of a collaboration even in that between her and I to, to kind of get the material yeah. that we need. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Mm. Um, I've never actually seen any of his films, but I've heard that that's how Hong Sang-soo works. Oh. I don't know if mm. if you know, have seen any of his films, but he like writes every morning before the scene that they're going to shoot that's that cool. day. Yeah, it's interesting. That's amazing. I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, Wong Kar Wai used to do that a bit as well oh, on, really? like, Chungking Express, I believe. He was, like, rewriting at night or writing at night. Yeah. Um, I think there's something exciting about that. It'd be We often joke about that. It'd be nice to go away to, like, secluded house and, like, write and make at mm. the same time. Mm. But the truth is that Matt, who wrote that and is, is like, has written a lot of stuff with me, is a very precise writer. Yeah. So he would require a little bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I got I it also creates limitations, I guess, to what you can do. Yeah. Um and like moving on to good luck to you, I wanted to ask about your regular collaborator, Brian Mason, who has shot and edited all of your films. Mm-hmm. And he is obviously super competent mm-hmm. at both those th- things. Like every film you've done has looked beautiful and had a beautiful Pacing and energy to it, even 52 Tuesdays, which was, uh, I believe, a pretty low budget. Mm. And what, um, but I often hear directors say that one of the best things that an editor can be is like an objective third party that wasn't there on set, doesn't have an emotional connection, Mm. and all they're seeing is the footage and none of the story behind how you got that and that it's just a fresh pair of eyes. Mm. And is that something that you've ever encountered with uh, Brian? Mm. <laughs> yeah, people say it in another way, which is like if you've been on set, you know where the door is, whereas yeah. you shouldn't need to know where the yeah. door is, you know, or where the whatever is mm. in the room. Um, it's hard for me to know because Brian and I have such a strong collaboration and it, and it has always been shooting and editing mm. um, and uh, except once, actually. I made a TV series here called The Hunting and Brian oh, edited right. it but didn't shoot it. Right. Mm. And um, 
Look, he's so invested with me. Like we're so all in together that the, and I think I work like this more with people. I'm not so much like just looking for everyone to come in and do their bit. Mm. Like they're kind of, they're more with me, mm. particularly Brian, because he's there from the beginning to the end. Um, yeah, I mean, there are times where we're both in the mess of it and we can't see mm. properly. But we also, that's part of like what we love to do is mm. to like find our way through the mess of it and mm. find something and and trust that we kind of keep going through that. We'll get there rather than being like there's someone that can come in and see something different, do you know? We do yeah. show it to people though. We, yeah. we do show our material at the right times and we have a lot of other trusted collaborators that yeah. we use yeah. <laughs> at different points and it's like always working out who to use at what point to give you the best mm. feedback. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's more like co-directing, to be honest, with someone like Brian. Like for, for me, he's not as involved in the sort of scripting part as I am. Um, and then he, he, I do a lot more work with the actors, but we're kind of managing things together and kind of um, finding things together. Yeah. You know, I mean, ask me during an edit and both of us will be like, yeah, it's so hard. <laughs> um, but I also love it. I, I love, I think it's a great thing that he goes from the beginning to end like I it makes it we're always trying to make a good film and we're never thinking about it being a like just good um cinematography or just good editing it's mm. like he's really invested yeah in, I guess it would lead to a more holistic viewpoint when you know that you're gonna have to be the person editing it exactly and you're not the person and you're not like how it looks comes above everything that's right yeah, yeah. and also you dig dig around in the material more because you kind of you sometimes go, oh, we didn't quite get that. Like, what else are we going to find? Rather mm. than being like, cinematographer didn't get that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but it kind of leads well into my next question specifically about good luck to you is where sometimes, I like, you see a film uh, often like a kind of single location or limited locations with small cast and you're like, this could have been a play. Like, this should have been a play and it doesn't feel like it needs to be a film and I've seen a bunch of films where I'm like I'm not engaged in this visit visually but um good luck to you was so cinematic and visual and there was so much intent in the way the camera moves um and like what kind of things were you looking at for influences as to how to make a film which takes place like 85% of it takes place in one location. What were you looking at mm. for influences? Mm. Yeah, I never thought of it as like a play, but that's because I see things like a movie, I think. And um, I didn't, did I, I can't remember if I said, mm. but I, when I saw this, I was like, this shouldn't be a play. Good, because I'm like. I, I can't, when, that was the end yeah. of my question that I couldn't remember if I said or not. Because when people say like, you know, make a great stage play, I always think, no, it wouldn't. Make yeah. a terrible stage play because you'd be back from the actors. You'd be always watching them and it would be kind of funny or whatever. Yeah. But this is all about intimacy and like being with a character, feeling with somebody yeah. rather than looking at them. That's yeah. like how I approach all filmmaking. So for me, it was like it was always going to be this dance of when to kind of make it feel kind of elegant or sort of classic or something and when to kind of move inside the experience of the actors. Mm. Um, and so I guess that's something that is really natural to me, that kind of shooting. And, and because I've worked with Brian for so long, he's very much like he almost feels like another actor sometimes when we get into that kind of material. Mm. You know, he's very connected to the cast and um, 
and he operates mm. himself and um, uh, so that feels almost like a bit of a dance between them all. In terms of influences, they were, we looked at things like Locke, you know, mm. which is set in one car and we watched like Dinner with Andre. Like we watched a few of those yeah. kind of yeah. um, single room things. Mm. Um, but they didn't have as much influence on us because I always felt like it was just like make sh- making sure that character journey kind of happened and then visually that it was engaging and yeah. orally because the sound design was super important mm-hmm. to doing that. Um, and the things that were more influential, Call Me By Your Name was actually quite influential. That's cool. Because um, yeah. there was this weird, this thing, this thing where the lead character in that Elio, Timothy Chalamet, mm. you know, they, they, the camera kind of looks at him a lot, but it's also his story and he feels very much like the subject. And there was something about his sort of subject-object thing at the same time that I wanted in this film. I was like, I want to be able to look at their bodies. I want to see that as cinema and also feel like they're the subjects of the story. They're mm. not just there for objectification. Yeah. And like... Oftentimes it's one or the other mm. for some reason mm. in cinema. That's like what we've done in cinema. Yeah. And mostly it's, you know, women are the object very much yeah. you know, and men are the subject and yeah. we don't have to look at them, yeah. do you know, or like we don't have to look at them, yeah. do you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know if yeah. my voice was giving away what I was doing there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was influential and um, and there was a, there's a great uh, American film called She's Lost Control, uh-huh. sort of five or six years old, yeah. which is really gorgeous and really low-budget independent film and yeah. um, that was quite influential. I'm sure there were heaps more and Brian will be like, mm. uh, what about all these 25 yeah. films? But I can never remember once we found the film. Yeah. It always sort of settles, yeah. you know. Mm. Well, you mentioned sound design and I wanted to chat about that because um, Steve Fanagan, mm-hmm. is that his name? That's his name. Yeah, he's he like... The work you did on Normal People was so phenomenal. And on this, it was really beautiful as well because I think it's difficult. To, well, it's not difficult, but it's like it's it's something that requires a lot of subtlety to do something this understated, especially when it's like the sound of the outside world is dampened. But I think I wrote in my notes when I watched the film that there, what was the line like? I think uh, Leo says it's not my job or something and you hear a like scream or something from outside. <laughs> I couldn't tell what it was, but <laughs> at certain dramatic points yeah. in the film you could hear that, like there would be a really subtle sound from outside that kind of called attention. Was, yeah. was there intention in that? or mm, I think just Steve is a, an absolute magician. Like so it was the first time I'd worked with him and so it was new collaboration and yeah. that's a bit risky and, mm. and he was in an... Um, the UK at the time and I was in Australia and um, we've never met in person actually we've only ever zoomed but we spend a lot of time together for this film and I loved his work on normal people as well and that's why I approached him Um, he'd done a little bit of sourcing of sounds for us for animals because he's Irish and that was Irish and um, look honestly he's like he's the secret weapon of this film well both he and Brian probably are but um Yes, his sound design is we, – we put the sound in really early in our edit because we set, we shot on a set so we needed to feel even when we were showing it to people that it felt real and moved yeah. in because otherwise if you don't feel that you yeah. buy nothing, do you yeah. know? Um, but 
Um, his sound design, it feels very subtle and very quiet, but there's so much in it. It's mm. so layered and beautiful. And I don't want to give any of your secrets away, Steve, if you're listening. <laughs> um, but he has like an ability to kind of to sort of take away sound at really important times so that you're really like inside the 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 feeling and the headspace of the characters or yeah to bring it back and mm. it all we called it doing a fanagan which was like it, <laughs> the sound would like rush back in but you hadn't even noticed that it went yeah. and but yeah. it was it's really really full the yeah. sound design yeah. and really stunning and it's quite stylized actually even though I think it feels naturalistic and honestly I just think he's a brilliant brilliant sound designer and yeah. and it started working with us immediately we had a lot of conversations but I always love the sounds that he brings in and there's certain feelings in it that I'm like, oh, you're doing something to us here. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's really, without that collaboration, it would have been much harder to get the film where we needed it to be. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just about drawing attention to certain points, and yeah. which he does very well. But did you say that you did that whole post-process over Zoom, like with you in Australia? Yeah, oh, we wow. shot in Norwich. Yeah. in the UK and then we came back to Australia and we were doing quarantine, hotel quarantine, and even in that room we started editing wow. um, And because we bought the edits we because <laughs> we were like, what else are we going to do? Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, and then we edited at home and he was our, he, he collaborated with us for the longest. He was sending us full material from the very earliest cut mm. um, and then, and then our composer was also in Ireland, mm. um, and but that he came on a bit later. Yeah, it was all remote, but wow. it was brilliant. We've because yeah. so Brian, as well as being my long term collaborator, is also my partner. Yeah. So we have a shed out the back of our house, and that's where we edit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's so we're so lucky to be able to do it. Like to go and shoot elsewhere, come back home to Australia and edit, mm. and just really find a movie. Mm. And now everyone's letting you do that more because. It's okay, yeah. Yeah, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and all the investors and everybody, they watch cuts and send notes and all of that and it works really well. Yeah. Was there, like, was did you, um, were you able to go to a final mix anywhere or, like, be in a, yeah. a, a suitable place for yeah, that? Yeah, so Steve worked really hard but we have um, sound a sound team in Australia that we've worked with for a long time, Pete mm. Smith and Adrian Medhurst. And they are the re-recording mixes. And mm. so they we did the mix here in Australia with them. Mm. I mean, Steve did a kind of a mix yeah, all the right. time. But then um, Adrian, you know, we had different Foley coming in from overseas and some from Adrian. And um, they were doing sound editing. And um, both Pete and Adrian worked with, St with Steve mm. throughout the whole thing. And then, yeah, we did the mix in the um, 7.1 suite in Adelaide at the studios. Cool. Which is where we've... We've worked there a lot with those two, and they're also brilliant. Yeah. I shouldn't give Steve all the credit. <laughs> like, they are actually both brilliant, yeah. brilliant sound humans. Yeah. yeah. And you said the composer is from Ireland. I didn't, I can't remember who that is, but um, did you collaborate with them from, uh, from Animals? Is that where you knew them from? Uh, no, we didn't. He is actually the sound designer. I mean, the sound designer. He is actually the composer of Normal People. Oh, and, right. Um, and also Room. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, we, no, why, how did, I think actually Steve Fanagan probably suggested him. Right. I mean, I really loved their music, their, the way that they worked and 
Um, yeah, he came on actually quite late in our process and we had done some temping, but he's a beautiful kind of sensibility and um, his name's Stephen Rennix. I don't know if we said that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, they they have a really nice kind of working relationship with Lenny Abrahamson, mm. Abrahamson. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, from Room and then from Normal People. And, yeah, it was good. That wasn't, <laughs> do you know what? That was really, really hard, That the music, not because he wasn't doing well, but we had no time. We had a deadline. We were working across Christmas. I was yeah. down at a beach house. My family were there. Stephen was, um, Steve Rednex was um, in Ireland mm. trying to do all the music, sending me things. I was sending him back notes, sending me things, sending back notes. Then he got COVID. Then we kept oh, going no. and we just had to keep going and we yeah. hardly spoke to each other. We were just writing to each other all the time. <laughs> and I saw him, I met him for the first time in um, the UK recently and he was like, we didn't even really talk, did we? We just kept working. <laughs> and, but, you know, I really enjoy the music now. It was yeah. hard music to kind of find because yeah. it's kind of like, a film like this, you're sort of riffing on like old Hollywood. I guess that was some of the influences. Oh, cool. Yeah. We were lo looking at like The Apartment, yeah. the film. Um, we were looking at old Hollywood films and old rom-coms as well because we wanted to like be playful with the ideas of that and then kind of break them open a little bit. Mm. Um, so we were and like having our leading lady and leading man be these two characters, you know. Mm. Um so we looked at those sort of things and we, and in the music I wanted that feeling that it could almost be old but it isn't, yeah. do you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of timeless being set in a room yeah. like that. And I wanted to ask about the room because what I really liked is that um, if, I, I feel like a lot of people, if they knew they were just going to shoot a film in one hotel mm -hmm. room, they might try and make it like big like a some like a hotel room like this mm. like a suite with um but mm. you so that they could find like more places to shoot in and mm -hmm. stuff but it was very contained but it never felt like mm. claustrophobic and it it felt right for the story mm. but mm. it was a, such a big part of the choice it's funny we're in a hotel room right now aren't we that's like mm. kind of quite neutral yeah. as well um but oftentimes they're not the decision to like have a big, huge window, so to make it a kind of modern building was really crucial because that gave us all of our opportunity for light. Mm. And and I kept saying to Brian, I want there to be light in every shot, and which was quite hard. <laughs> and so I wanted to shoot into the window all the time, which yeah. is, you know, also really hard. Yeah. Um, but it really gave this, us the look of the film and um, and I wanted the room to be neutral, so not super posh as a room, mm. but not really budget, yeah. you know, like somewhere in between. But Mira and our production designer, you know, she we had to create a space and we had to think about positioning of the mirrors and the windows and the lights and everything to, mm. to be able to shoot really well. And Brian and her worked really closely together on that. The room is a bit bigger than you think, obviously, mm. um, but and it's a set. Mm. But also we started to be like, how can we have materials on the set that are like, they feel neutral, they don't feel too fancy, but they are actually gorgeous to touch or they're very sensual. So mm. the carpet is a beautiful colour and the things are, like that kind of layer in there is really um, lovely too and that they reflect in a certain way. Um, but, yeah, I think it was a, a matter of like, positioning of the couch and the window and the bed kind of set everything off. Mm. Um, 
And we had a lot of ideas about, yeah, I think that decision to shoot into the window a lot meant that we just had to come up with a room that worked. Yeah. But she did a great job. Yeah. Like um, we always felt. We had walls that could come out, two walls. We mm. hardly ever took them out, ah, like yeah. twice or something. Yeah. Because I think Brian and I, we came from documentary, so in yeah. some ways we're like, what do we do with what we've got, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, we have to create the sun. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was curious, what um, what lenses was it shot on? Oh, now you're pushing my <laughs> theory. I do know this. I, I Just these things don't sit in my head. Yeah. I just want to text Brian so bad and ask him. <laughs> it's so bad. I'm literally am going to text him. <laughs> and you got to come back to this question. All good. All good. I, Maybe I've got to write I'll this down. I'll put it in the um, addendum if uh, in the yeah. outro. Um, <laughs> but um, also, so like how um, how long did you have to shoot it? 19 days. 19, wow. Yeah. It's pretty tight. It was tight and it was fast and... And it was so much dialogue. The actors had to like know their lines so intimately, and we had to do long, long takes to kind of maintain the performance. So Bry and his team had to work out shooting for these really long takes as mm. well, which was a challenge. But um, but we didn't. We we hardly move locations, you know. Mm. So a lot of time is spent on that. Yeah. But yeah, it was still quick. Yeah. Six yeah. day weeks, and on the seventh wow. day, the Sundays. Brian and Emma and Daryl and I would go into the space and kind of block out the next week, mm. basically. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I read that uh, the actor for Leo, um, Daryl McCormack, mm-hmm. yeah, Daryl McCormack, McCormack, yeah, yeah. Um, that he, he, you only found him like a month before shooting or something. Did you? Um, did they get much rehearsal time? We had a solid week of rehearsals before we went in, mm. and that was amazing. But Daryl and I had worked for about a week before that on Zoom mm. um, doing script stuff. Mm. And, um, yeah, but it was it was cutting, it was close to the bone, mm. finding him. Um, and now I'm like, how could we have ever thought of anybody else, <laughs> honestly? Like, yeah. he's so perfect for it. Um, but, you know, we, were lo- we looked at lots of different actors. There's so many great actors that came in for this. Mm. Um but it was nice to have somebody. I mean, Daryl's been in a lot of stuff. He's done a lot of material. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. he's not he's not known to audiences in the same mm, way. Yeah. And that was kind of nice yeah. to have a Leo that was sort of yeah, um, well, less known than him. Mm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we had a solid week of rehearsals, which was crucial. Yeah. Mm. Well, I really hope um, this puts his name on the map because he was amazing in it. Yeah. Um, and how how did you find Zoom rehearsals? Because they have always seemed pretty, I don't know, like not quite like the real thing. <laughs> but I guess it was big COVID, right? Big COVID. We were doing a lot of Zooms at yeah. the time. And Daryl and I in that patch were really just going over the script together um, mm. to make sure that we were on the same page with it. And um, we were doing some consultants with sex workers and we were talking about the character a lot. Mm. So it was very very well suited to Zoom. Mm. But weirdly, maybe we were ahead of our time, but when we did Animals, we were in Ireland and they had this really big snowstorm came in when we were in oh, pre-production right. and we were supposed to rehearse together and we got separated and we couldn't. Oh. And so there was a whole lot of exercises that at the time I transferred to Skype. I think it was Skype, um, not Zoom. Yeah. And was there a time before Zoom? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I transferred 
Yeah, well, so we did these exercises where like the two characters would meet on Zoom and there'd be tasks that I gave them. And so it's not rehearsing. Yeah, yeah. It's like creating uh, an experience that yeah. could be on on Zoom or Skype. Yeah. And um, so I, that felt okay to me. <laughs> yeah. You just go with what you've got. I look, That's Brian's great. texting. Oh, yeah. And he says, Alexa 65 with the RE DNA primes. Oh, okay. they, that's cool. The cool. RE DNA the Alexa 65 was amazing because mm. it was like when we tested it and with those primes lenses, um, Brian was testing a whole lot of things. And, again, I didn't go to the test because it was COVID. So I stayed where we were and he went to London for the test. Mm. And... Um, I just remember seeing that material and being like, that's it. That's mm. the lens package. That's yeah. the, you know, yeah. and he'd done so much work to get there, but it's a big, big format um, sensor and it's just a really different look from yeah. any anything else. I mean, yeah. the Alexa is really nice, the mm. minis and everything, but the Alexa 65 is just like, we just knew what the film looked like as soon as we saw that. Right. And it's, it's larger format than like a mini or something, mm. is it? It's got a larger sensor. Yeah. And so the lenses work quite differently on oh, it. Right. Um, so things that are usually much closer up are actually further, like wider shots. Yeah. That's the way it works. Yeah. But it's beautiful. Like it's really nice and, and really worked for this with the hotel room and their faces. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, and you said that like, uh, well, I read in like the press release thing that you shot in March 2021. Yeah. And then it it was at Sydney Film Festival. Oh, well, no, it was at Sundance this year, right? Yeah. So that's January. pretty tight, isn't it? It was quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And was quick and but it didn't feel ridiculously so. Mm. The edit process was relatively smooth. Yeah. Um, music was the hardest thing. Mm. And um yeah, but I mean, yeah, it is fast. It's mm. like it feels like only a year ago that we were making it for sure. Well we were. Um mm. it feels like only a year ago we were shooting it. And some films take so so much longer. Yeah. But yeah, it was quick. Yeah. Yeah, but Sundance was online this year, so it was Oh yeah. Um but yeah, we've we've kind of done Sundance online and then Berlin and then we went to the UK and New York. So it's released in the UK and the US and Latin America now and mm. Greece and a few other places. That's great. And now Australia. Yeah, so cool to see like um a kind of small drama like that being yeah. Having such a wide theatrical yeah, yeah. release. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and if you're able to talk about it, so what have you got coming up next? Uh, I've been writing a film with Matt who wrote 52 Tuesdays with me mm. um, that is like very personal story about my family, which is like a queer family. So it's th intergenerational, three generations in a family. Mm. Um, stories that set in Amsterdam. So hopefully that's we're going to finance that in a minute. Yeah, great. <laughs> and go and shoot it. Um, there's a couple of things, couple of films I'm um, on, but it just depends when they'll land. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Um, is is your family Dutch or something? No, is... no. Amsterdam's oh. just made up. Oh, uh, cool. That's not the personal story. No, my family's not Dutch, but the story's set there. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really excited to see it Sydney this year. Um the dream life of Georgie Stone. Georgie Stone and you and Brian worked on that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We worked on it. So Maya Newell, who directed that, we worked with her on her last film called In My Blood It Runs and I, I produced and Brian edited and same thing with this. Um, 
Uh, and this and Dream Life of Georgie Stone is like Maya's been shooting it for many many years yeah. with Georgie, yeah. and um, and so we're just there to kind of help her tell the story, and then she's amazing because she she creates these impact campaigns around her films, mm. and and now Brian and I have a kid called Ord, well a seventeen year old called Ord, and they are. Um, like working on that impact campaign. Oh, that's and great. So that's really, yeah. that's really nice. But that's the next Netflix film. So yeah, yeah, it was at Sydney and at Melbourne now, and then it will be on Netflix later in the year. Yeah, mm. because well, this is totally different to uh, the point of this press junket now. But <laughs> I was, I just loved it so much, and Brian edited it right. Mm-hmm. But it had such a perfect structure. It's beautiful, beautifully put together. Yeah, I yeah. think. All right. Well, I think our time is nearly up, Sophie. So thank you so much for making the time. Thank you. So nice to talk. Thanks again to Sophie for chatting. It was great fun. Um, Good Luck to You is now playing in theatres across Australia. I don't know if it's still in the US and the UK, but like uh, as Sophie said, that it's playing all over the world, which is fabulous to see. I would definitely recommend seeing it in a theater i i got to see it in a cinema and it was a really beautiful cinematic experience go check it out if not you know get it on the streamings or the netflix or the hulus or whatever you got um and as per usual the music and transitions i use were made by jd legulon and uh that's all have a good one